The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. I will not wear the mask. 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 I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above all. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked chime? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this I hate the work of those who fall away. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmonious sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will you, triumph Lord, in the works of your are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And with that, good morning, America. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers are in the house, and anybody else I may have missed, to the Sons of Liberty Radio Show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsOfLibertyRadio.com and also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you can see the face that's made for radio, head over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. And while you are over there, you will see two videos. The one on the left is a Bradley show, I think that was from Friday, because it wasn't able to get internet on Saturday. Um, so that's there on the left. That'll be there until 3 o'clock this afternoon, at which time he'll be live in that area. And on the right side of the page is where we're streaming live. Just click on the play button and uh, blow it up on whatever device you've got. And you can also click on the Rumble icon in the bottom right-hand corner. Join us in the chat on Rumble. We are streaming live to Rumble at Sons of Liberty Radio Live 
Also, beforeitsnews.com, top of the page there. DLive.tv at The Sons of Liberty. And, of course, I've got my friends on public and private. Is that the way I should say that? Um, the public page, you know, whatever. And then my my personal page. That's the way I should say it. Personal page on Facebook, which they are still allowing for some reason to be streamed there. I Don't ask me how, they're, how we're getting away with that because I don't know. I guess they're trying to keep some bit of eye on us without reaching just a ton of people, but I appreciate everybody who comes in over there as well. Also, right up under where we're streaming live is where you can sign up for a newsletter. Be sure to do that and help us out with that. And if you'd like to get in on our ministry email, that's at sonsoflibertyradio.com, and uh, that comes on the front page, so you can sign up for that right there. You get one of those a week. The one from the media site, you get one a day, and it comes in the evening. Also, if you agree with our message and you would like to support us and keep us out there doing what we're doing, there's a donate button at the top of the page. Just click on that, make a one-time donation. Or you can uh, partner with us monthly as a son or daughter of Liberty. That link is also available. And then our store is available. This week we are highlighting uh, Bradley's My War comic book again. This is done by uh, former DC Comics artist Danny Bulinati, and it's normally it's it's Bradley's uh, testimony. And um, so, if you've got a young person or somebody that likes comics, this is a great way to impart the gospel to them. Um, it's normally a $15 donation. This week only you get 20% off when you use the promo code COMIC20. COMIC and the number 20, all one word, and that gets you 20% off in the store this week, and that's through Saturday night at midnight. So be sure to take advantage of that if you've been looking to, to do that. Now's the time to do it, okay? All right, um, sonsoflibertymedia.com. Let me give you a couple of headlines. I want to play uh, two videos for you. One I was trying to find on Saturday, and what I had done was I downloaded it. I had it ready to go up to my Rumble channel, and I grabbed everything because I usually cleaned the desktop off here and just threw it in the trash. So I had to re-get it. And put it up. But it was something we were talking about on Saturday. So I'm going to play one of those for you in just a moment. Uh, but SonsofLibertyMedia.com. National security search engine. Google's ranks are filled with CIA agents. Now this shouldn't be come as a surprise to anybody. We've seen this with um, uh, Twitter. We've seen it with Facebook. We've seen it with all these. In fact, Google, for those who don't know, was funded largely with your money as a startup. I think about $15 million went to Google of your money unconstitutionally. And how did it do that? Well, it didn't do go through Congress. It went through the CIA and a front group that they have called NQTEL. I find that interesting when I talk to my Q friends. NQTEL. And it's a front group to fund a lot of startup big tech, or I shouldn't say big tech companies, startup tech companies, whether they're big or not. Um, they've got anything from cameras to all kinds of surveillance type tech-ish, tech-ish kind of stuff um, to you know any of this stuff that you see out on the internet. They will fund that stuff and they do it with your money. And NQTEL is a CIA front group. That's what they're doing with that money. They're doing it illegally. It's lawless. They're, they are thieves. And why they're allowed to exist in this country, continue to exist, is beyond me. Just like the FBI, just like the NSA, just like the FDA, you name them, they're all unconstitutional. We never authorized such organizations to exist in our country. We just didn't ex- authorize that. Check that out at SonsLibertyMedia.com. Also, a family seeks justice after a cop killed their innocent mom on video during a police demo. Now, this story, I believe it came out uh, several years ago. Yeah, 2016 in Punta Gorda, 
uh, Florida there. And this elderly lady, 73-year-old Mary Knowlton, was asked to be a part of a, uh, of a police demonstration. The guy had live rounds in his gun and shot her. So, yeah. New study, removal of war on drugs leads to significant reduction in foster system admissions. Yeah, they don't want to go after the actual drugs that are killing people. You know, the ones that the FDA approves tells you they're safe and effective when they're neither. Mm -hmm. Uh, They don't want to do that, but they want to keep your hands off of anything that that is a product that the creator has given in the creation. They They want to make that illegal. They want a war on that. Okay. Also, SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, a couple others that we got down here. A fifth young doctor, 27-year-old. She was a triathlete. Dies suddenly. Remember they had those three doctors who died within um, four days, and then they had another one come behind them. Now this young lady. Dr. Candace Naiman. She was a resident at McMaster Children's Hospital. Uh, now she's dead. And I got up this morning to see news that there's a couple of other of these. Again... I don't follow the celebrities, but they, they're they obviously celebrities because they, they mention whatever show they were on or movie or whatever the thing is. I got up to a couple of more of those this morning who have died. And here it is again. In many cases, the, the cause of death is unknown. I've never seen so many unknown causes of death in all my life. Now, we know what it is. We know what the cause is. Um, so, yeah. All right, uh, Shimmerani and Steel, 528 hertz to 60 gigahertz. Your water cells and DNA are under attack. This was our show from Saturday, so if you missed that, you want to check that out. That was a really informative show. And then Catherine Austin Fitz, if you haven't heard this one, uh, you really ought to listen to what sh- this interview that she did with this gentleman. Uh, I forget the guy's name, but she did an interview with him, and she goes back and talks about 9-11 where the... the trillion began to be missing. She was part of the investigation into that. All the paperwork was in, guess where? Building 7, which just happened to collapse, even though it wasn't hit by a plane or anything like that, the next day. And then she talks about the digitalization of money and the one world government under the COVID crisis. Now, Saturday, I I made mention of this because we were talking about um, 5G, Uh, we were talking about the frequencies and things of this nature. This was a little video that I came across, and you guys will be able to hear it on the radio. This is from March of 2011. This is the Pentagon stating that radiation sickness has the same symptoms as flu. Hmm, I find this very curious. Take a listen. Biology Research Institute, which has been leading the Pentagon's quest for a more effective antidote to radiation sickness. The symptoms of acute radiation sickness would be just exactly like a terrible flu. Isn't that interesting? A person would have a headache. They would feel very tired. They would have a little bit of a fever. Mm. They might have some vomiting at higher doses. All of this would be more severe and would come on more rapidly. Oh, yeah, all this, you know, just sounds like the flu. Radiation sickness. Hmm. Now, when we were talking about this, and this was part of what got Kate thrown off of the um, the radio station that she was at for two years, prior to coming out with her little report that she had on 5G. And she was talking about these kinds of things. And then here's the the Pentagon, 2011. Radiation, you say, why is this important? Because 5G emits radiation. Your cell phones emit radiation. The cell towers emit radiation. 
See, it doesn't sound too far off now when you start to think when I was coming to the conclusion, if people are getting sick, they're getting sick from what? Radiation poisoning. The, the technological rollout. Not some mysterious bo- boogeyman virus. That's not, what, that's not what was going on. Okay? But about this. And the symptoms would have been very, very similar. And depending on how, how much you were radiated would determine just how sick you would get. Also, I found this yesterday. It was in 1946, and this short little uh, educational film on despotism was required curriculum at every high school in America. The associated test on 11 pages quizzed students on the concepts, and by 1967, this film was removed from all libraries. This is how disinformation works. Check this out. A community rates low on an information scale when the press, radio, and other channels of communication are controlled by only a few people and when citizens have to accept what they are told. In communities of this kind, despotism stands a good chance. See how community trains its teachers Bear this in mind. Young people cannot be trusted to form their own opinion. This business about open-mindedness is nonsense. It's a waste of time trying to teach students who think for themselves. It's our job to tell them. And when teachers put such training into practice, despotism stands a good chance. These children are being taught to accept uncritically whatever they are told. Questions are not encouraged. How can you ask such a question? Have you got a textbook? Yes, ma'am. Does it say here that our law courts are always just? Yes, ma'am. Then how dare you question the fact? Sit down. And so we aren't surprised when... But it must be true. I saw it in this book right here. And if books and newspapers and the radio are efficiently controlled, the people will read and accept exactly what the few in control want them to. Government censorship is one form of control. A newspaper which breaks a government censorship rule can be suspended. It is also possible for newspapers and other forms of communication to be controlled by private interests. I thought I told you to kill that story. It'll cost us a lot of advertising. If that story goes out, I quit. All right. (laughs) All right. So this was taken, this used to be an issue that was put into high schools. For years in this country, and then it was taken out. Then it was taken out of the libraries. Some people are uncovering some of these things that we haven't seen. Uh, many of us in our lifetime, some of us for for quite a while. So all of this is is very interesting. I'll have these in the archives in case you want to share them or anything like that. They'll be in the archives a little later on. Um, this morning, <clears throat> I was I was going to address. There was a question from. Um, someone in Rumble, think from the other day's show, Saturday's show, and I was going to address 
the issue of God and his love. Let me just say it this way, um, because I'm not going to address that this morning. Um, I'm going to address something else. And I hope you guys haven't had breakfast, because I'm not meaning to make you nauseated from hearing what I'm going to tell you. But it, I, it had such an impact on me yesterday, because we have kind of hit on this before, but it had an impact on me yesterday as our pastor was continuing on through Deuteronomy 28. And, um, but I, I want to address this. Now, this is going to shock some people, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you. The person says, God loves us all, right? Well, no, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. See, people have come across and they've said, God just has this indiscriminate love for every person on the planet, on, on the earth. God loves everybody the same. It's, it's like he is uh, frivolous with his love, and he has to be. We have to make him be like that, because we want a God that looks like us, even though we don't love everybody on the planet, on, on the earth either. I'm trying to correct my speech there. Even though we don't do it the same way. For instance, stop and think about this. You husbands out there, you're commanded to love all men, right? I mean, you're commanded to love them. And that would include other women, too, right? You're to love them. But you love other women in a different way than you love your wife, right? It's not the same kind of love. And, and you love your daughters different than you love your wife. You have a special kind of love for them that you don't have for other women in the world. Same thing for women. You love your husband different than all the other men in the world. You can love your brother. You can love your dad. But you love your husband, husband different and uniquely than anybody else. God does the same thing for his people. The death of his son, if you go and you read John 3.16, everybody quotes that as though this is for everybody. But when you get down to what it actually says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him would not perish, but have eternal life. So, how does that love impact the world? It impacts the believing ones. Um, you know, and it's not Judaism, it's what Scripture teaches. It's what, it's what Scripture teaches. If we want God to be a harlot and just toss his love around to everybody no matter what, I mean, what do you do when you come to the commands? We're going to talk to the, about the commands in Exodus. What do you do when God sits here and he specifically says, For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generations of them that hate me, but he shows mercy to thousands of them, that love me and keep my commandments. Now stop and think about this for just a second. Now I'm not going to stay on the topic here. But Spurgeon would talk about this. No, it's, it's really not Judaism. It's really not. You're saying that you have the right to choose your spouse and to love them uniquely, right? But you don't want to give that same kind of I don't even want to say opportunity. You don't, want to, you don't want to give to God what you want to claim for yourself. And that's the problem. And so we make a God who's a grandfatherly God who just 
pulls all he, he just loves every let me ask you something does he love the people in hell hmm? see when he sent his son to die it was out of love to save those for whom christ died and if that's not true then why are there people in hell oh well they choose to go there yes they do they do choose but you and I, the reason we love God is because what? What does the Bible tell us? We love Him because He first, what? Loved us. So, when we're, when we're talking about that, God's love is not this syrupy, hippie kind of love. It's not that. It's a very specific love. It's a very specific love for His people. We see that in Jacob and Esau. Jacob have I loved... Esau have I hated, and Paul uses that in Romans 9 to demonstrate exactly, and that's New Testament, by the way, too, the fact that God has set his love upon Jacob in a way that he did not set it upon Esau. God set his love upon Isaac in a way he did not set it upon Ishmael. God set his love upon Moses in a way he did not set it upon Pharaoh. In fact, Moses is told before he steps foot in Egypt that God's going to harden Pharaoh's heart. It's not Judaism. It's what the Bible teaches. And God said he would do it so that he would be glorified through the destruction of Pharaoh and through the destruction and the, the putting down of the gods of Egypt. So to answer the person's question in, in Rumble, and I could take the rest of the show, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to talk a little bit about what we're doing. To answer the question, that if that gets you thinking in the right direction, that's where I want you to, and then go to the Scriptures and look. Yes, it says God is love. Absolutely it does. It also says God hates. Can you reconcile those things? I can. I can go to the Scriptures and take them out in the context and see what's being said in each one. So, Take that for the, the person in Rumble who had that question. There, there's a little caveat. Maybe we'll get to that one day and we'll deal with those things, okay? Um, and yes, there's no doubt. We have um, uh, Mateo saying, how can any human fathom God's love? I agree. Paul says it's deep. It's wide. It's, it's much to contemplate how the Creator could love us. And they were asking about how I would say we're unworthy. We're unworthy because we're sinful, and he is holy. He would be just and right to just to let everybody go to destruction. But he demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were sinners, and remember when Paul is writing that, he's writing to the church, those who have been redeemed, those of the covenant community. He says, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. He died for us. Okay? All right. Now, with that said... One of the things I want to do is take you over into several passages of Scripture. This is going to be one of those things. Some of you have read some of the articles that we've done involving foods. And, um, and the fact that they use a flavoring in the foods that has been created from aborted, aborted fetal cells. So there is a, and I'll try to have this, this article up. I didn't pull it up while I was pulling these other things up this morning, but they have made all these different foods, or what they call foods, and they have taken them, and they have put these flavorings in a number of foods, a number of drinks. They're literally feeding to us those they've killed. Some of you have seen Soylent Green, that old film with Charlton Heston in it, 
And he comes, he discovers that what they're doing is they're getting people to off themselves, commit suicide, and then they're turning them into the food that they're feeding the masses. Soy and green. And um, I don't think that's far off from things of what we're hearing now. We're hearing out of the World Economic Forum, you're going you're gonna to have nothing, you're going to be happy, we're going to feed you bugs. We've got this... Oh, I, I was just reading the other other day, may have something out on this at sonsalbertymedia.com later today, but there was a lady, I think she's out of Australia, was making mention of Nicole Kidman, her father, and Billy Graham, and the pedophilia that went on, and how Nicole was kind of pushed into stardom to kind of offset the bad negative things that were coming out about her father's involvement in that. But we've seen recently where Nicole Kidman is doing this thing of eating grubs and crickets and stuff. And look, the Bible says that there are certain insects that can be eaten. Okay? There are certain insects that can be eaten. And so, I'm not saying people can't eat them, but to push people towards the issue to where, let's save the planet by you eating a bunch of bugs. Is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Nobody, no normal thinking person, and I know we're getting less and less of those, I think, as uh, we were making mention in the chat on Saturday, common sense is not so common anymore. It's more like rare sense. Um, But pushing us towards that. Well, now we've got a Swedish guy. He's a scientist. Scientist. Advocates humans, he advocates eating humans to combat climate change. I kid you not. This is from BigThink.com. And um, just listen to this. Swedish scientist has caused a stir by advocating that in order to stem the ill effects of climate change, humans need to start eating each other. I mean, people who talk like this, probably need to see the inside of a padded room as far as I'm concerned. They don't need to be out among us putting this stuff out. Of course, he's not calling for all-out cannibalism. No, of course not. He's just wanting to put the seed thought in your mind. Like it used to be practiced throughout history. Rather, he thinks that if we just get over some very obvious taboos, we might consider eating human corpses. While talking about the gastro... Summit focused on food on the future on Swedish TV. The behavioral scientist and marketing strategist Magnus Soderlund from the Stockholm School of Economics proposed that in order to truly take on the effects of climate change, we must awake the idea that eating human flesh should be discussed as an option in the future. Huh. Soderlund and I guess that's how you pronounce him. He's got two O's over the O. I don't know exactly how that rolls off the tongue, but you get the idea. Use this TV interview on the state Swedish television channel, TV4, to give a PowerPoint presentation entitled, Can You Imagine Eating Human Flesh? It included such topics as is cannibalism the solution to food sustainability in the future, and are we humans too selfish to live sustainably? Uh-huh. Yep, yep, yep. Hmm. And here's the guy. Here he is. This guy. He looks pretty sad and depressed. I I don't know. I guess if I was thinking like that, I'd kind of be kind of sad and depressed too. 
But uh, he says the resistance that humans have overcome uh, have to overcome in order to consider other humans' food is linked to selfishness, according to the scientist. But as an expert in behaviors, he thinks that people can ultimately be tricked into making the right decisions. <laughs> it's just, you, you can't make this stuff up. You, you, you really can't make stuff up like this. Um, he, he goes on, it says, uh, Indeed, after Soderlund's presentation, 8% of the audience raised their hands when asked if they'd be willing to try human flesh. 8%. I mean, I'd be surprised if one hand went up, but 8%. Scientist himself is also open to at least tasting it. And if you're still not squeamish enough about this whole enterprise, there is a term to take out of this article called Menisco Quotes Branchen. That means the human flesh industry. Let's hope it's really not really coming. Oh, it's it's coming. It's coming. In fact, um, I was trying to think of the, the name. I, I couldn't believe it when people sent me the link to it. But it's a place out in, I think it's in L.A., Los Angeles. And it's called the Cannibal Club. All kinds of people have been there. Uh, some celebrities, some singers, all this, movie stars, all this. And it's the most bizarre thing. I, I can't believe it's even considered lawful. I don't think it is lawful. But California ignores the laws all the time. But here it is, specializing in the preparation of human meat. And basically, what they come to is when somebody dies, they put in their will or whatever, that they want to gather their friends together to eat them. This is what this is about. That they're, that they're pushing on the people. And again, I, I just, I, I can't, I can't fathom how this is allowed to stand. I, I just, I really can't. But I remember years ago, I had a friend, and, um, he was a bright young man, had fought against the NDAA indefinite detention, was working in the counties where people were uh, nullifying it uh, through their county councils and such. And we had a conversation because he brought something up, and we were speaking about something, and somebody mentioned the issue of cannibalism. And I said, well, is it wrong to eat other people? And he said, well... He said, you know, I, I wouldn't do it, but, you know, people can choose to do this, that, and the other, and all this other stuff. And somebody in there thought I was just a little weird uh, bringing up that question because they were talking about, you know, we can do this if it's consensual. Uh, I think it was, you know, you ask somebody to shoot you or to harm you in some way or whatever. And so I said, is it okay if two people consensually get together and one agrees to let the other kill them and then eat them? And they go, well, that's just ridiculous. That's just far out. Nobody does it. So I sent them an article. It's probably been around, um, the article's probably about anywhere from 15 to 20 years old now. And it was a story out of Germany where that had happened. A man put out an ad in the paper asking for a particular kind of person, um, you know, I think they were asking for males, 
certain body styles, whatever, all this kind of stuff. They laid it out and said he was looking for a consensual relationship to um, if they'd be willing to be killed and eaten. He got 60 people to respond to him. And he did this with two men. And I showed it to them, and they said, oh, well, this is a rare occasion. And so my friend thought about it, and he goes, wow, I didn't know this. He says, I guess if I'm going to be consistent, I'd have to say, yeah, they can do that. Now, he wasn't willing to to say the right thing. He was saying he was going to be consistent with his libertarianism, which, look, I... I have no problem taking that title as long as it's within the bumpers of what the Scriptures say. Because the, the Christ gives us a liberty, there's no question about that, but our liberty is confined to whatever is in God's law. So, with that said, he was more worried more about being consistent in his worldview than he was conforming it to what Scripture says. Now, does Scripture come in here and say, you can't do this? No, but it does put it, present it as judgment. And I'm going to show you that this morning. Uh, again, this was kind of tipped off from, from the message my pastor had yesterday. So I'm going to take you through some scriptures as to what this is, and I want to point us back to what we should be looking towards. Okay? All right, the first one comes out of Deuteronomy chapter 28. We've read this before. Okay? Beginning in verse 53. Now, the first few verses of chapter 28 is about the blessings God gives for His people as they... Keep covenant with him and keep his commandments. But if they don't do that, then there's like three times the curses that that will befall them. Okay? Listen to what he says. Verse 53, And thou shalt eat the fruit of thine own body, the flesh of thy sons and of thy daughters, which the Lord thy God hath given thee, in the siege and in the straightness, wherewith thine enemies shall distress thee, so that the man that is tender among you and very delicate, his eye shall be evil toward his brother and toward the wife of his bosom, and toward the remnant of his children which he shall leave, so that he will not give to any of them of the flesh of his children whom he shall eat, because he hath nothing left him in the siege and in the straightness, wherewith thine enemies shall distress thee in all thy gates. The tender and delicate woman among you, which would not adventure to set the sole of her foot upon the ground for delicateness and tenderness, her eyes shall be evil toward the husband of her bosom, and toward her son, and toward her daughter, and toward her young one that cometh out from between her feet, and toward her children, which she shall bear, for she shall eat them for want of all things secretly in the siege and straightness, wherewith thine enemy shall distress thee in thy gates. If thou wilt not observe to do all the words of this law that are written in the book, that thou mayest fear this glorious and fearful name, the Lord thy God. This was also a question that was asked by the person in Rumble. You know, our fear is a bad thing, isn't it? Well, yeah, a worldly fear is, is bad. We're told not to be fearful. And yet the Bible tells us to fear God. In fact, it's the beginning of wisdom. So we are to fear Him because He is great and terrible and awesome. And He is not like us. And when God appeared on the scene, even, even his holy angels, when they appeared on the scene, men fell at the, ground, at the ground in fear, like they were dead, or they were going to die. Right? 
Remember uh, Samson's parents? The Lord comes down to them and they say, Ooh, we've seen the Lord and we're not dead. I mean, they expected that. There's a healthy fear of God. Much in the same way that many of you, if you had a father that loved you and he would discipline you, you had a fear of dishonoring your father. You had a fear of breaking the laws, the rules, the commands of your father. Why? Because you wanted to love your father. And they're not mutually exclusive there. So we see here that, that God has given in Deuteronomy 28 this, um, this curse that's going to come. And then in Leviticus 26, which he teaches the people, if you, if you don't repent, I'm going to bring these seven times worse, seven times worse each time. And there in verse 26 and 27, he says, And when I have broken the staff of your bread, ten women shall break, bake your bread in one oven, and they shall deliver you your bread again by weight, and ye shall eat and not be satisfied. And if you will not for all this hearken unto me, but walk contrary unto me, then I will walk contrary unto you also in fury. And I, even I, will chastise you seven times for your sins, and ye shall eat the flesh of your sons, and the flesh of your daughters shall ye eat. And I'll destroy your high places, and cut down your images, and cast your carcasses upon the carcasses of your idols, and my soul shall abhor you. That goes all the way down to verse 30. So there he says, this is what he's going to do again. Now ultimately we see this come to pass in A.D. 70, and we read in Josephus, um, I believe it's the War of the Jews. There's a lady there. Some people have said this is the story of Mary of Bethuzba. Thuzu, Thuzu, Beth, Bethesuba. <laughs> That's a tricky one to get out early in the morning. So she has a son, or a child, and they're in such a siege, the people are eating one another, eating their children in the siege of 70 A.D., and when she begins to cook this child, the smell is all throughout the city, and the men are hunting down to eat that child, to take it from her and do that. But there were times before 70 AD in that final destruction, that final doing away and fulfilling all of this covenant here, to where it happened in Israel before. Take a look at 2 Kings chapter 6. And verse 26. And as the king of Israel was passing by upon the wall, there cried a woman unto him, saying, Help me, my lord, O king. And he said, If the Lord do not help thee, when shall I help thee? Out of the barn floor or out of the winepress? And the king said unto her, What aileth thee? And she answered, This woman said unto me, Give thy son that we may eat him today, and we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son, and did eat him. And I said unto her on the next day, Give thy son, that we may eat him. And she hath hid her son. <laughs> These women, instead of trusting God in what he said he would provide for them, took their children and boiled them, cooked them, and ate them, or at least the one. 
And then the other mother wouldn't turn over her kid to have that done. And so this woman thinks it's a great injustice. She's just gotten through eating her own child, telling the king that she's done it. And what happens? She's like, I cannot stand this. I cannot stand this. This woman didn't get, I I gave her my child to eat. And we ate him, but she won't give me hers. She's telling the king this. She's really confessing to a crime, isn't she? Yep. But look at the king's response. And it came to pass when the king heard the words of the woman that he rent his clothes. And he passed by upon the wall. And the people looked, and behold, he had sackcloth within upon his flesh. And he said, God do so and more also to me if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, shall stand on him this day. But Elisha sat in his house, and the elders sat with him, and the king sent a man from before him. But ere the messenger came to him, he said to the elders, See ye know how this son of a murderer hath sent to take away mine head? Look when the messenger cometh, shut the door, and hold him fast at the door. Is not the sound of his master's feet behind him? And while he yet talked with them, behold, the messenger came down unto him, and he said, Behold, this evil is of the Lord. What should I wait for the Lord, or why should I wait for the Lord any longer? So the king, instead of dealing with the women who were committing this abomination, went after the, the man of God. Isn't that always how it is? They, they blame the man of God? You're the troubler of Israel. <laughs> because the prophet called the king back to the law of God. That's what was going on. Now, it, it happens again. Over in the book of Lamentations, we read this. And this is um, chapter 4. And we read this, Their visage is blacker than a coal. They are not known in the streets. Their skin cleaveth to their bones. It is withered. It has become like a stick. They that be slain with the sword are better than they that be slain with hunger. For these pine away, stricken through for want of the fruits of the field. The hands of the pitiful women have sodden their own children. They were their meat in the destruction of the daughter of my people. The Lord hath accomplished his fury. That's what he was just talking about before. And he hath poured out his fierce anger and hath kindled a fire in Zion and it hath devoured the foundations thereof. And he goes on and he lays out some other thing. The kings of the earth and all the inhabitants of the world would not have believed that the adversary and the enemy should have entered into the gates of Jerusalem for the sins of her prophets and the iniquities of her priests that have shed the blood of the just in the midst of her. They have wandered as blind men in the streets. They have polluted themselves with blood so that men could not touch their garments. They cried unto them, Depart ye, it is unclean, depart, depart, touch not. When they fled away and wandered, they said among the heathen, They shall no more sojourn there, and the anger of the Lord hath divided them. He will no more regard them. They respected not the persons of the priests, they favored not the elders. So in the midst of this, you you have this eating of children that's going on. Now I have to ask you something. Has God changed? 
Does he still deal with men? You know, we, we see it all the time. We see God's judgments in the earth all the time. We see this. And yet for his people, what does he do? He has a love for his people. What should these people be doing? Should they be cooking and eating their children? Nah, they shouldn't be doing that. They should not be doing that. And I'm going to show you the positive side here in a moment. They should be trusting the Lord to meet their needs, their daily bread. Isn't that what we're told? The Lord gave us a model prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Not to worry about tomorrow. It's got enough, today's got enough cares of its own, right? Not to be anxious about anything, but through prayer and supplication, let our request be made known to God. But these people weren't doing that. Why? Because they had departed from God. And so as Romans 1 says, God says, okay, you want to depart? Have at it. Your sin's going to overtake you. It's going to destroy you. And that's part of what the curses are that's here. Is the fulfillment of exactly what God said would happen to them. I had a guy one time, he asked me, he says, well, how do you know God's, how do you know God is, uh, is, is actually real? Well, one, I know he changed my life. But I know when I do what he says not to do, the consequences come just like he said they would. And I know when I obey him, the blessings come just like he said they would. Just like he said. Either way, whichever way we're, we're partaking in that. He is there. His word's true. It's very relevant today. It's probably more relevant today. Well, I shouldn't say that. It's definitely more relevant to us today than it was to read about it 2,000, 3,000 years ago. God's Word is, is not some ancient text that has no bearing on the lives of men. No, it does. It warns us to fear God and to keep His commandments. It warns us to repent and turn from our lawlessness. And if we don't, there will be judgment. Just That's how it works. God is not one of these judges you can buy off with gold or silver. He's not one of the gods that you take your children and throw them to Molech and hopes that you're going to have a good crop and all of these other things, because that's what they were doing too. I've wondered, some of these women who are for abortion, who are just rabidly for the murder of the unborn, why don't you just go ahead and eat your kids and just be just as wicked as these people? Why don't you do that? Oh, that'd just be disgusting, Tim. Yeah, it is. So is the murder of the child. All of it's wicked. And all of it demands justice. You remember even in the beginning, where Cain killed Abel. And God comes to him and he says, Your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. What was the commands of God? We find these in Exodus chapter 20. And as we come down to verse 13, what do we see? Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not murder. What we're seeing here were 
mothers. Let me let me ask you, what is the natural instinct of a mother for her child? Is it to cook it and eat it? I mean, there are unbelievers who would shudder at that. That's not the natural instinct. The natural instinct is to protect that child and to care for it. And any mother who loves their child would starve feeding their own kid. At least the women that I know, my wife would be that way. My wife would be that way. And yet, one of the things we're told not to do is, you shall not kill, you shall not murder. That's the idea. Not to take a life unjustly. And there is a justice in taking life. There is. We talk about self-defense. We've, been, we've had shows on that. We've talked about justice for violations of the law. There are certain crimes that do require that the life be given. And here they are, taking their own sons and daughters, killing them, cooking them, and eating them. It is a part of God's judgment, not His blessing. Not His blessing. You say, well, but the guy you were talking about before says we had eaten corpse. Well, do you really want to eat? Stop and think about that. When you go and you go hunting, those of you guys who, who go hunting, when you go hunting, you kill an animal, you dress it, you get it ready, and you're going to eat it, right? It hasn't died of any sickness or anything like that. This guy's talking about people who've died from whatever. How many of you would eat an animal that you... You found dead in the woods. Doesn't sound too sanitary. Doesn't sound too healthy, does it? So he's pushing that kind of stuff. Here we see, though, that God says, this is what you're going to do with your children. Now, take that in contrast to what we've read with our kids. Psalm 127. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord. They're not food from the Lord. They're a heritage of the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. Is that so he can eat them? No. It's so they can be arrows in his hand against the enemy. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. There'll be those who speak up. They'll call out the corruption. They'll call out the evil and the wicked. Listen, let me put it this way. You know, you always heard that that little uh, saying, the one with the most toys wins. Well, the no, the one with the most toys still dies. But here's the thing. The one with a lot of children wins. We've forgotten that in America. The church has forgotten that God largely grows the church through the family. If you want to see change, <laughs> you start having a bunch of kids. Sharpen those arrows up. Get them ready to be fired out into the world. To have an impact on the world. You have more kids doing that as they grow up. And then hopefully, Lord willing, they'll do the same for their kids. And within two or three generations, just from two people, you've got a thousand people or more that have come from you. 
depending on how many kids you have. The church has lost this. We want to go along with the world with our 1.25 kids or whatever, and we want to control everything, and we don't want to train the kids. We don't want to teach them what God has said. We don't want to show them that in our life. Is it any wonder the society is not being preserved when God's people don't obey God and don't trust him in the midst of this? He also goes on and he says in chapter 128 of Psalm, Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways. For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands. Happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. The wife, or thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. Thy children like olive plants around thy table. Behold, that thus shall the man be blessed, that feareth the Lord. And he talks about down here, verse 6. Thou shalt see thy children's children. Isn't that interesting? That's a blessing for us to see our children's children. But when things are devolving and men are speaking these wicked things, even putting these thoughts out there of eating one another, you can be sure judgment's not on the way. It's here. This kind of reprobate thinking is part of God's judgment. Romans 1, God turns them over to a reprobate or a worthless mind. A reprobate mind. What's the solution to that? The solution to that is that men repent. They give up their sins. They turn from them. They find their hope in Christ, the one who gave his life. Why? Because he loves his people. His name shall be called Jesus, for he will save every single person on the planet on, on the earth. Nope. Because he will save his people from their sins. Here's the thing. If Christ has done that for you, you are his people. You are his people. And if you have not experienced that, then the command to use the same one for all of us. Same one for me, too. I'm not preaching just at people who are unbelievers. I'm reminding myself of what God's terms are, and that is you turn from your sin, you put your faith in Christ, you be reconciled back unto God. That is the hope that we have. The hope is not in ourselves. The hope is that God would do for us what we're unable to do for ourselves, and that is to take out a heart of stone out of us and to put in a heart of flesh to make us a new creation in Christ for His own glory. Not trying to gross you out, not trying to, but I am trying to warn you, just like God did. Three o'clock, Bradley be with you. Lord willing, we'll be back in the morning, 6 a.m. Adios.